0: Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne, in Melbourne, Florida.
1: You go to do something, and God closes a door, and you go through the door anyway and do it. And you know it's wrong, and now you pray for God to open the next door, and you're going to go through that door to make it right. Two wrongs don't make it right he's going to take this group of people, he's going to go to a of war against his own brothers. And he's going to try to force this solution. Don't force a solution. When you blow it, when I blow it, just admit it. Stop right where you're at. Say to God, okay, what do I do now?
0: Fear can cause us to do things we never thought we would do. When you let your mind wander into what-if scenarios, you may go to unnecessary extremes. As Pastor Mark teaches today about a divided kingdom, we'll see a king make blasphemous statements and lead people into idolatry just because he's afraid he might lose his rule over the people. As a believer, you can imagine a situation where you were uncomfortable or maybe even fearful about letting your faith shine. Those situations are exactly the ones where you need to stand for God. If you don't, you may be making a statement through your silence that God doesn't matter to you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 10, verse 18, for our continuing study entitled, Divided Heart, Divided Kingdom.
1: Now, the ten tribes in the north, and we'll show you this in a moment, were called Israel, and they are ruled by Jeroboam. The remaining two tribes in the south were Judah and Benjamin, that was the name of the two tribes, and they are collectively called Judah, and they are now ruled by Rehoboam. Now, it gets more confusing because even though God knew this was going to happen, often God still causes Israel as a whole, Israel. He just doesn't mean the ten. He means all of Israel. So this is God's judgment. A divided heart always ends up in trouble. Rehoboam is trying to Please himself and please the people. He's just concerned with himself, his pride issue. He isn't serving God anymore. Because of this, one man's sin affects the whole nation of Israel. Satan loves to do that in leadership. He loves to do that in our lives. He loved to do that in this church. So you need to pray for the leaders. Because he always focuses on the leaders. If he can get the leaders separated, the sheep scatter. So he's always doing that. So keep praying for the pastors and the elders of this church. We need it. Here's a very important statement. We'll have more to say about it at the end. A divided heart at the top will always affect the whole. Ourself, our home, our church, or our business. If there's division in any of those areas, it will destroy what I'm talking about. Now, the northern kingdom that you saw up there, Israel, Just for your history tonight, to to get us in sequence as we move ahead, we'll be reminded of some of these things. When they broke off now, this northern kingdom, ten, ten nations up there in the top, they'll last 200 years as a separate entity. They'll eventually be destroyed in 721 B.C. by Assyria. God will take them off, and you'll see that not one king in the north ever Serve God. Now in the south, this kingdom, Israel, lasts about 300 years. And eventually they were destroyed by Babylon in 600 BC. And of course then as we go on to Ezra and Nehemiah, that group of people coming back, rebuilding the walls, so you get the history. When we get there, I'll remind you again. But that's how Israel split. All of this took place because of what had taken place in the life of King Rehoboam. Now look at verse 18. Let's just read it, because I'm not going to make much comment on it. King Rehoboam sent out Adronaim, who was in charge of forced labor, but the Israelites stoned him to death. He was going to try to do some neat things, <laughs> and they took care of him, and they stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. So he didn't realize how, how much he was hated because of the stuff he was trying to do. Notice verse 19, So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. What that means is, to, the, to this day means when 2 Chronicles was written. Chapter 11. Now, we're going to focus on what happens uh, during all of this split. Now, when Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mustered the house of Judah and Benjamin and 180,000 fighting men to make war against Israel and to regain the kingdom of Rehoboam. So, he had a chance before to keep the nation as one. He blows it because of all of this just bad judgment that he makes. So now he's going to make another mistake. Rehoboam is going to get an army together and he's going to go to try, go to go to the north of Israel, to the, the northern tribes, and he's going to try to force them to come into submission to him. This is very interesting. This happens in our lives. We blow it and instead of admitting our sin, we go out and try to find a fleshly solution to make it right. Give me an illustration. You go to do something and God closes a door and you go through the door anyway and do it. And you know it's wrong. And now you pray for God to open the next door and you're going to go through that door to make it right. Two wrongs don't make it right. He's going to take this group of people, going to go to a war against his own brothers. And he's going to try to force this solution. Don't force a solution. When you blow it, when I blow it, just admit it, Stop right where you're at. Say to God, okay, what do I do now? I've gone the wrong direction. Don't try to push the door through. We're very good at that. We're very good at justifying our sins. Well, it really just was a bad judgment. It really, When God said, no, just go ahead and do it anyway. No, here's what he's going to do. Now, he does something smart after he does something dumb. He listens to God. Look at verse 11. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, the prophet, saying to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, you dummy, what are you doing? No, he didn't say that. He does better words. But they basically that's what he's saying. And to all the Israelites in Judah and Benjamin, this is what the Lord says. In other words, hello, did you ask me to go to war? No, the same mistake you made when you didn't ask me which group of elders to listen to. So he says to him, Listen to what the Lord says. Do not go up to fight against your brothers. Go home, every one of you. This is a very interesting statement. For this is my doing. So they obeyed the words of the Lord and turned back from marching against Jeroboam. So, If we're going to finally listen to God, the next step is always obedience. Doesn't do any good for him to listen to God and say, well, I'm going to get these troops together and go off anyway. So when God speaks to us, just obey him. That's the next step. Simple obedience. Now look at that verse um, there. It says, for this is my doing. Just write this verse down. We don't have time tonight, but 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11. Let me read it to you. So the Lord said to Solomon, this is why Solomon was alive. Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of my subordinates. So God had allowed this to take place. This was never God's initial choice. But because of Solomon's sin, he said to Solomon, Solomon, The the nation you have, that's one nation, 12 tribes, it's going to be Tor. And I won't do it while you're alive, but I'll do it afterward. One of your sons will have to deal with it. And it's not because of him, it's because of you. That's a hard thing to think about, isn't it? Sin just transfers a long range of sin. So he says to Solomon, I'm going to do what I don't want to do, but I'm going to do this. Now, why did God do this? What's going to happen is that God knew that when, when this nation was just full of sin, that this nation up here, this ten tribes here, would just always be, and you'll see it tonight, just a vivid picture of it, they just horribly into sin. But he knew there would always be a little remnant of people down in the south, in Israel, in uh, Judah, that were after God's heart. From this nation that remains is where the Messiah come from. So God knew it. This goes away. This is where Judah, David, that tribe, all the way through comes the Messiah. So God knew that. wasn't his choice, but that's the way Solomon blew it. That's what God did. So God says, this is going to happen. But I'll have a faithful remnant. The Messiah will still come. Now, it'll shock you because even as we look down here in Judah, they often go against God. But there's still that remnant of people there. That's what we talked about tonight. God is gracious, isn't he? Is he gracious? Now, verse 5. Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem, built up the towns for defense in Judah. So what he's doing is basically he's just uh, rebuilding the place. He's, he's protecting his own cities in Jerusalem and some of the, uh, the other areas down there. And he's going to protect himself because he's afraid of not only enemies outside of Israel but actually the northern tribes. Now, let's head over to 1 Kings. Just keep your finger there quickly. Let's see what's happening in the northern tribe. And who's the king under the northern tribe? Jeroboam. Okay, good. So we're going to go back north here. We're going to go back north for a minute. Judah's down here. This is Israel. Ten tribes up here. Let's see what's happening. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam fortified Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, And he lived there. From there he went out and built up Peniel. And here's another dangerous thought. And Jeroboam thought to himself. Did you get it? Now, there's nothing wrong with thinking, but make sure God's in part of the process here. So he thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. Now, why is he thinking that? If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to the Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. So let's think about this. You get all these people, whatever, up here in the north. Now, when the time of festivals come, where the temple is, where all the sacrifices are, what part of the country are they in? Down in Jerusalem. So what is he thinking in his mind? Here's our country up here. All these people at these time are going to come down to where? They're going to say, man, we missed the temple. We missed these people. King Rehoboam wasn't too bad after all. So he's playing tonight what you and I know is called the what if game. I know none of us have ever played that. What he's saying is this. What if the people go south? What if they give their loyalty? Then I'm a done man. I'll have no people for my kingdom. Fear destroys faith. We need to quit playing the what if game. We play it in all of our lives. Some of you are playing it here. I play it in my life. What if this happens? What if this happens? What? Oh man, what if that happens? Oh, and we're miserable. Just trust God tonight. If you play the what if game, if you ever built a home and played the what-if game, your home would never be done. You'd be miserable the whole time. Hey, 90% plus never happens anyway. And the stuff that does happen, can't do anything about it anyway. God's still on the throne. It doesn't mean you don't have to have concern, but quit allowing fear to destroy you. God's a good God. He's got a great plan for our lives. When we're out of here, we're out of here. Relax. So Jeroboam, because of this, because of this fear, look what happens. He institutes a pagan system of worship. First Kings, look at verse twenty-eight. Look what he does. I give you some ideas tonight. He sets up the worship of two golden calves. Sound familiar? Probably got the plan somewhere. Verse twenty-eight. After seeking advice, doesn't say from who. (laughs) The king made two golden calves. He said to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Now, would you want to be next to him when he said that? I mean, that's total blasphemy. Who brought him out was the creator of the universe brought him out of Egypt. But he says it's these calves. So he didn't seek God's advice. He sets up his own worship. We go back to these golden calves, a deja vu, which were nothing but pagan gods. Then verse 29, not only does he set up worship of two golden calves, but he builds two altars in the north. One he set in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people went as far, even as far as Dan, to worship the one there. Still there in that northern part of Israel. So he put this in. God never told him. God says, you're to worship in Jerusalem. What are you doing in Dan and Bethel? You're supposed to be down in Jerusalem. So he goes totally against God, obviously, in all of those things. Now, verse 31 gets worse. He appoints priests according to his requirements. So Jeroboam built shrines on the high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people. like <laughs> all kind of stuff. All sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. So this is incredible to me. He calls people to serve God. He selects them rather than God selecting them. He goes totally against what God would say as leadership. And he puts his own people in. Look at verse 32. He counterfeits the true godly festivals. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the festival held in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel, he also installed priests at the high places he had made. On the 15th day of the 8th month, a month of his own choosing, he offered sacrifices on the altar he had built in Bethel. So he instituted the festivals for the Israelites and went up to the altar himself to make offerings. So he counterfeits the real, himself, amazingly. And then, look in verse, the last part of 33, he goes up to the altar to make offerings himself, which he cannot do. What that is, if you want to write outside those verses, I think it would be a great thing for you to write. This is man-made religion. And do we have that today? It's interesting, I was in the doctor's office, a new physician, just to general practitioner, and never been there before, and I got there early, I'd prayed the good old prayer Jabez, started talking to a gal. I won't go into all the history, but there was nobody in the office except her. She just began to tell me all the things that were happening in her life. She said, well, I used to go to church and went to a unity church. And I said, really? What about the unity church? She said, well, you know, they always teach you to have a positive attitude about everything. And I said, well, you know, it takes more than that. So just begin to share with her. And I shared about Christianity and Christ, and you really need to come back to God, and you know, can have a really relationship with Him and whatever. And then it kind of got a little cool. So I said, well, that's fine. You know, just friendly, went on. Got in and uh, introduced to the new doctor I was with, and uh, he was Jewish. So for the first 10 minutes, I shared the gospel with him. He wanted to know. He was interested. I had a great day. It was wonderful. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, he knew it about Christians and said, well, you know, some people believe there's only ways through Jesus Christ. I said, well, I'm one of those people and uh, gent- gently just shared whatever. And when I left the office, um, the gal came up to me and uh, I said, bye, I'll see you later. And I said, I uh, hope you're going to do all right. And uh, what, I'll be praying for you, whatever, something like that. You know, and I said, uh, she said, when are your services? Do you have something? And I said, well, sure, let me give you a card. She said, I was hoping you were going to do that. So the Lord knows, doesn't He? Now, unity won't solve it for you. Unity is a man-made religion. It just says that you can have you can have a positive enough frame in your mind that everything's going to go right. Everything is not going to go right. You need Jesus Christ in your mind. So, man-made religion isn't going to do it. But here we have a picture of that man-made religion. Now, go back to Second Chronicles eleven thirteen. This is very important. What is the reaction of the priests and the Levites? that are in the north when this takes place. You know, you're serving God. You're supposed to be down in Jerusalem. Pretty soon you're told to go over here to this place. There's going to be an altar. There's two calves there. And the guys around you, well, I thought you were the leather man here in town. What are you doing here? Well, I'm the new priest. What well, what is their reaction? You can imagine what their reaction is. Well, let's take a look at it. 2 Chronicles 11, 13. Now, the priests and the Levites from all the districts throughout Israel sided with him. The Levites even abandoned Their pasture lands and property. And came to Jerusalem, and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his son had rejected them as priests of the Lord. And he appointed his own priests, that's history, what we just talked about. They're from every tribe, those from every tribe of Israel who set their hearts on seeking the Lord, the God of Israel, followed the Levites to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to the Lord, the God, their fathers. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, three years walking in the ways of David and Solomon during this time. So what happened in this was this. The priest of Levi said, We can't take it. We won't do it. And they headed down to Jerusalem. And many other people followed them. So they set the right example. So what do we learn from this for our lives? Number one, there are times in our lives we must take a stand for God. There'll be times in your life that you are just going to have to stand for God. Now, when you do that, when you do that, it might cost you a job. It might cost you a friendship. It might cost you a fiance. But you have to take the stand. And when you take the stand, it will cost you. What did it cost the Levites, the priests? Their land, their family, their friends? All the, they just left everything and went south. It cost them everything. See? I hate these people who say, oh, you come to God and everything's perfect in your life. Everything will just smooth forever. It's wonderful, but it is not smooth. There's hard times, but God's always with us. So it will cost you to serve God. But remember, it'll always cost you more not to serve God. See, there's an opposite to it. So these guys, if they had stayed there, it'd cost them more. Maybe you're in that decision tonight where it cost you your job. That's all right, God will have another job for you. And you know what you find out? Better than the one you just left. Same with friends. So we have to just be honest. Daniel took a stand for God. The three other Hebrew children followed him. Did it cost him? Whew. But he stood for God. It's a great example for us. And as he went down, as these priests and went down, the other people went down with him. Now in verses 18 through 21, we have the same problem, father like son. We don't have a thousand wives But Rehoboam's got plenty. Anything more than one is too much. Now that wasn't a negative statement. Don't take it that way. God was wise. He said one, right? Ladies, how many would like to have more than one husband? Give me a break. You wouldn't. So one's plenty. So what do we see? Because Rehoboam doesn't learn, he's going to be the same roller coaster. We'll pick that up that He'd be getting absolutely the same roller coaster ride his father did. Cause he didn't learn. He never handled lust. Let me just remind you of a couple things tonight. If there's division in your home tonight, or in your life, solve it. If you and your husband aren't getting along, you and your wife get, when you go home, solve it. Division will destroy your home. If there's division in your life tonight, if you're like, if you're trying to walk in the world and you're trying to walk for Christ, you can't do it. Get rid of the division. It will cause disaster in your life. And let's be full on with God. I think I have one more verse Deuteronomy up there I want you to see. Of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your
0: strength. Today we heard how Rehoboam took bad advice. But instead of making things right and repenting, Rehoboam soldiered his own way. While Rehoboam was wrongly ruling Judah, Jeroboam set up a pagan altar in Israel in order to keep people from traveling to Jerusalem to worship. He thought if the people went to Judah, they would stay there under Rehoboam. His fear led him to make blasphemous, idolatrous choices. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2275. The title of this message is Divided Heart, Divided Kingdom." Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2275, and the title of this message is Divided Heart, Divided Kingdom. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we see Rehoboam attribute his success to himself instead of God, leading the entire nation into unfaithfulness. They will begin to put their trust in the wrong places, so they abandon the Lord. He will allow them to be attacked by foreign invaders. We will see how that same attitude can wreak havoc in our lives as well. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 2 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living.